Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, Annie Highwater, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. Hi, everyone. Laurie McDougall. I am here with my co-hosts, Dominique Simone-Levine. Hi, Dominique. How are you? I'm fine. Good morning, everybody. And Kayla Solomon. Hi, Kayla. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. Okay, so um, today's topic, Dominique, why don't you get us started on that? Sure. Well, it's been a request for a while to go through the, the basics of craft with our listeners. We do this on the site several ways, several times, but if you aren't a member of alliesinrecovery.net, then this is essentially the skill set that we are teaching you. It's called craft, community reinforcement, and family training. Lori and I have trained many, many people on this, and I think we have it down to the bare nuggets. So this is the barest of nuggets of craft as we train and guide families uh, who are on our site. The first thing is we're in the present moment. Families want to talk a lot, a lot about what's happened before or what the danger is going forward. But the work of craft is in the present moment. It's in the day. It's in the moment you see your loved one. When you see your loved one, you're going to ask yourself, is my loved one using or is my loved one not using? It's a fundamental distinction in all of the craft work, right? And so while it's important to know your loved one and you know them best, we're interested in the interactions and the dynamics of the moment. So in the present. Secondly is to stay safe. We have a whole module on this. It's more than was done in the research. You're on a, on a website looking at this training. You're going to have to decide if the conditions are safe for you. We talk about the difference between physical violence and verbal abuse, for instance. Uh, verbal abuse being something we can all tolerate and have. If you're on this site, you've probably been the victim of some verbal abuse at the, at the least. That doesn't disqualify you from doing craft. But if you've been hit, if you feared for your life, if you've had to get out of the house, if you're scared for your children, if you're scared for your mother, whatever it is, this is not for you. And that's basically what we say in module two. Understanding the pattern. So this is the little training module that we do. It's called a functional analysis by behaviorists. We tend to like to use antecedents, behaviors, and consequences, the ABCs. So it briefly puts you through a series of exercises that trains your eye to look for the cues of where your loved one is in the daily or weekly cycle of active addiction. So you'll learn what the symptoms are, what the signs, what to look for in terms of timing and context, all those sorts of things. The big piece of craft is communication work. It's so important for families 
to take a look at how they're communicating. It's probably 70% of relationships. It's the way we connect. Craft is about connecting. It's about teaching your loved one to connect back with you. You want to connect back with them. This is a very loving bridge building approach. And we start with just watching how we communicate, trying to drop some of the negative, harmful things we've gotten ourselves used to saying and improving how we say what we say in a way that disarms, de-escalates, produces a calm conversation. And that is very possible very quick in the game by following module four in, in craft. Modules five and six, this is behaviorism. What are you going to say? What is your body going to do? How are you going to respond when he walks through the door? And he's using, right? That big question, are you using or not using? If you're using me as the mother, sorry for the mother-son. There's a lot of mother-sons on, on our site, but any kind of dyad, right? Your son comes home and everything in your gut and that early work we did and helping you figure out the, the cycle tells you your son is, is high. So how are you going to respond? What are you going to say? So it's the control you have here, the control over yourself, the control. And we talk a lot about pausing a little bit and trying to bring better thoughts into your head or at least not distort them as much and be able to say something calmly when your son comes through the door high, even though every ounce of it just wants to start shooting, right? <laughs> off with your mouth, off with dinner, everything slams in the kitchen, come in and eat. I've made dinner, I'll warm it up. You know, whatever is the normal process, you're going to change that up. Not a lot, maybe just a little, just what you can do. And really, all of this is about what you can do. And again, you're on a site, so you have to decide what you can do. But we're very respectful of the needs of the family member, as respectful of the needs to stay calm and find peace and, and, and be okay with all of this as we want their loved one to be in recovery. So what do you do when you see use? But what do you do when your son comes home and he doesn't look high, right? That's the question nobody really ponders much, which Kraft does a great job of. You reward, you reward, you reward. So, wow, your eyes look clear. Look what I found in the back of uh, the Walmart in the bin $5 game here. I thought, you know, maybe we could play it together tonight. So immediately she saw that he wasn't really high. He came home on time. Everything was saying, you know, whatever he's on, it's little to nothing. And she was going to reward that. And so she did by having some dinner and playing a new game on the, on the video with them. We've added a, a cognitive behavioral treatment light, therapy light. This is just a, a basic understanding of how, how when we worry and, and are in fear and, and can't stop ourselves from spinning just to try and catch one of those thoughts and to try and just slow it down and just say, wow, look what I'm doing. I've got him dead in the ditch already. And I, it's only been four hours, you know, am I distorting what I'm going through? And Lori, you'll see in past podcasts, just this wonderful, the, the last time her son went out and how she had to handle those four hours instead of doing what she would normally do, which was get in the car like she could find him and, you know, start talking to police stations and everything. And then finally, 
we teach you an engagement into treatment. Not everybody needs engagement into treatment, but many, many people could be engaged into some healthy behavior. And for this, if you've done the work of building your bridge, providing a softer communication, connecting with rewards when they're not using, caring better for yourself so you're not as volatile and you're able to come at this with a little bit more thought, getting them into doing something positive for themselves in the right moment has about a 70% chance of success. It's one of the most outstanding outcomes in the whole intervention field. This little engagement that we teach you in module eight costs nothing, do it as often as you need, and it has this great outcome. So, so that's craft and inside each of these are tools and skills and we have Kayla and Lori who run groups that you're welcome to jump in on and if you're a member and and, uh, and we, we really hone into what is a, a relatively straightforward set of universals, I call them, but applying them is, is the situation, is, the, is the, the important and the careful work of doing craft. And so we help you apply craft on our site. By sending in your questions and responding to your questions, you see how families apply craft to their situation. And that's the secret sauce, we call it. And the work of craft is in doing craft. So I would just end with that, that it's skill-based, that you have to practice it. You take care of yourself as well as you're taking care of your loved one or as focused as you are on your loved one, you need to be on yourself, let's say, at least. And um and that's it. That's what we work with. And we've done it for 18 years. And it's just a brilliant approach that we've gone scores deeper into each of these ideas that I've just presented and found such interesting things over the years and found such positive, incremental positive steps that have led so many families to, uh, to get a lot from craft, I believe. Great overview. So I do have a couple of questions, Dominique, that come up that maybe we could talk about a little bit. Families often will start implementing the communication skills and strategies, and they'll implement them maybe, they'll go home and they'll practice one piece of it, and they'll come back in a week later and say, it doesn't work. Kayla, you're giggling. I see you. (laughs) It doesn't work. And... I tend to do what Kayla's response is, is I get a big smile on my face because I think, okay, it one week, one week compared to 20 years, you know, but also one thing is really important, I think, and that is to remember what the goal is when you're implementing each one of these strategies. And what I mean by that is if you are implementing one of the communication strategies for a week is the goal to get your loved one into long-term recovery or is the goal to have a wonderful, it's something I call a flowery conversation. Oh, now I'm implementing this communication skill and now the conversation is just going to go swimmingly, right? Like my loved one's going to respond positively to it as well. And I often say, well, what's the goal? The goal is In this moment, this very first week, the goal is to practice it, (laughs) not to have it go swimmingly. And in fact, maybe expect it to not go swimmingly because you haven't done it very frequently. 
Well, and the way I think about all of these tools is you need to do beginner's mind, like they talk about in Buddhism, which is that as a beginner, all of it is new. You might have heard about it or tried it in the past, but if you could take it, even though you might have tried it before, as this is my beginning phase of this, you don't expect to be playing in a symphony if you start taking piano lessons. Like next week, oh, I'm playing in the symphony. It's practice. And so I actually really love failing at things because that's when I get it. If I try something and it doesn't work, I then go back and it's like the functional analysis, which is in one of the modules here. You you actually look at it and say, oh, what went well, what didn't go well? And that's why I like the groups because people come into the groups and they say, oh, I tried the communication and it didn't work. And one of the things that I ask is describe what you did. And what happens is that because I've been doing this for a lot, a lot of years, I could hear the subtleties about what goes on. It's kind of like I was talking to a friend of mine and she was saying, oh, I'm going to see my daughter tomorrow. And I said, just ask questions. And it was fascinating when we were practicing, like what kind of questions, because her daughter is using. And one of the questions are, how are the kids? And the thing is, the kids are one of her shame based Issues And so so what happens is that if you ask a question that's going to elicit shame, even though it's just an innocuous question to you, that is a lousy question. So it's really important to like try things, play around with them and then see what their reactions are. And if it doesn't work, you know, okay, I'm not going there. That's a that's a red zone. And I know we use the functional analysis, which is module three. That's the module on the Allies in Recovery uh, website that guides you through a functional analysis. You can do a functional analysis like that when something goes wrong. So you can use the functional analysis to analyze a typical using episode, but you can also use a functional analysis to try and understand why every time I ask this particular question, my loved one gets very defensive and starts pushing back. Because one question that a lot of families that I hear about, Kayla, is how come when we get up in the morning and I just say, how are you today? They get all angry and pissed off at me, (laughs) right? And I'm like, okay, but how much meaning for them? What's their perception? When you're asking them, how are you today? Are you asking them, are you going to go to meetings? How are you feeling? Are you done with detox? Did you take your meds? You know, oh, you haven't taken your meds yet. That's probably why you're not feeling good. And we are, we talk about this in the, in the rest meetings as well. Instead of asking how they're feeling, what about changing it up and saying something like, I'm going to go make a pot of coffee. Would you like one? Just I'm I'm going to avoid that question. And you can do a functional analysis and identify what is actually going on here and why is the loved one pushing back. And that's kind of like what you were saying, Kayla, right, where the grandma might ask about the children and that's a shame-based question. Just taking a step back and asking yourself, well, why are they pushing back? And that's important, Lori, because what I've come to, and I didn't realize this until I was talking to my friend, you you have to always hear what you're saying through the lenses of shame. 
Okay, so what is that person feeling ashamed of? And what do you assume they might be ashamed of? Even though it's, if you ask somebody else the same question, it would be nothing like, oh, what's your plan today? What are you going to do? If you ask that to somebody else, that's a great question. If you ask somebody who has been feeling like you're watching them like a hawk and you're micromanaging them, they are going to get defensive. That is just normal human behavior. So think about what the old behavior, what your old behavior has been. And then that what you want to do is is really like take it just take a step back and go into the day to day. Like, would you like some coffee or I'm making some eggs? Which like you, it's like basically not talking about anything that could be triggering. You know, I think you hit on our next our next topic for our next podcast. Maybe we should talk about shame because I oh, yeah. uh, that's a huge piece. And just today, kind of sticking to craft, um, but. Uh, that's a great point. It's so difficult in the middle of crisis or what you perceive to be crisis, because it's probably chronic, but to taking a step back and looking at how the other person, what the other person's perception might be of what's being said to them. What is the intention of in this conversation? And I know that it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do, but If anybody is listening and you want to take a stab at it, go to module three and apply a question that your loved one pushes back on and try and identify why are they pushing back on that? What's going on in their mind and what are they experiencing? And maybe come up with an alternative question or an alternative topic to talk about. That's innocuous. What's what's really ringing in my head today is as we're talking about this, what craft is about is going from being unconscious to conscious. And so every single module is about taking a dynamic and taking it apart. So so looking at how are you taking care of yourself? How are you perceiving the situation? What do you, what's your communication like? What do you, what's your control issues and how do you back up from your own anxiety and need to control and, and allow the other person more of a say in their lives and also having choices. So like at any moment you have all of these choices. And what I love about craft is it's this very thoughtful process of self-care and self-awareness and, and providing you with tools that as you practice it on a regular basis, and we're not going to be able to get into every tool here today because there's too many, but the site is magnificent in breaking it down. And if you can engage in this process as though this is your recovery, and I think if you could see it as your own personal recovery and that by you engaging in more awareness and recovery, you then set the stage and are a role model for your loved one. I'm glad you brought that point up because Dominique said something earlier. She said, doing craft for your loved one and taking care of yourself at the same time, what I think people might find once they start practicing craft is that craft is actually all about you learning better skills. So it actually is working on yourself and it is self-care. And I had epiphanies while I was first starting out with craft and through the years going through it. I had these epiphanies of, oh, my gosh, this is for me. This makes me a better individual, easier to communicate with in general, because I have started using all of these skills 
with other people in my life. It could be anybody. It could be employees. It could be the cranky grocery store clerk. It could, it could be anybody. And I realized that, oh my gosh, all this time I was working on myself. It's a lovely program for that. Again, I, I, I don't think the developers really considered that every, every single module is also about the family member. That's, that comes from us and that comes from people who have been training on craft. But I think it especially comes from us because we've interacted with many more families than anybody else, I think, over the years. I mean, literally thousands of families have been through our program. So it's almost like this change in, in viewpoint. It's the family that just shifts a little and all of a sudden sees their loved one as somebody that they need to observe and care for and just carefully handle and love into a better place. And it, it, it turns the, the immediate environment into a, a recovery environment. And that's because you learn about recovery for yourself. You recover yourself and you're able to emit it. And it makes such a difference for the person with addiction. It's a wonderful program. And, and um, I'm really proud to have been connected to it all these years. Me too. Me too. And, and I, what I would add also is there's a lot of people, there are a lot of people that come into the, the groups whose, lo- whose loved ones have actually gone for treatment. And this is post-treatment. And what's fascinating to me is it doesn't end because your loved one went, went into treatment. That's in some ways the beginning. It's like, how do you change the dynamic so that you're in a different relationship with them? Because if they come out of treatment and you haven't changed at all, then you're also setting the, the situation to continue in a negative way. So once, that's why I call this the power position. If you are looking at your part, your role, what you can do, that you actually can do. Because I think that there's this imaginary thinking that people have that they're the superhero that they're going to swoop in and help this person and get them help and make sure everything's okay and save their lives. That's a little pie in the sky. But if you are working on yourself and changing yourself and calming yourself down and changing your interactions and the way you even perceive things, that's the control position that you have. And I found that before I found craft, a lot of the messages out there was I had no control. A a lot of people focus on that. You have no control. You need to let go and let God. You need to let go. You can't do this. You did it. Once I found craft, craft taught me that actually I can do something and I wanted something to do. So give me something to do and stop telling me what I can't do. Craft gave me those skills that I could do and I became empowered. And because I had something to do and something to focus on, and I started to see positive change, it was easier to let go of what I couldn't do. It was easier to let go of those things. But give me something to focus on and stop telling me how how disempowered I am. Instead, how do I get empowered? And this is it. This is, this is it. I can interact and it empowers me. And the other thing that I found was because I was empowered now, I was empowering my loved one. I was letting go of where I needed to let go. And I was kind of sending the message that you can do it. You don't need me. You don't need me. 
I'm just waving my hands in the air because if you take nothing else out of this podcast today, that last piece is the most important thing. That's it. That's the shift. I apply it to myself and it gets applied to my loved one. And it is something I can do versus a list of things that I cannot do. Exactly. That's what makes craft different is your job is to have this toolbox of what you can do so that that sense of feeling out of control, powerless, helpless is actually reduces because there's things that you could be doing every single day. And you're not looking at results. You're looking at yourself. What am I doing differently? How am I thinking about differently? That's what you're measuring, how you're measuring your progress, because we don't know what the impact is on other people. And there might be some subtle cues that you're picking up, but really we don't know. Right, But they're reinforcers for continuing to do it. I saw things happen and I just wanted more. It's just a reinforcer. Like you said, I didn't have pie in the sky and expectations. I knew I was in deep and uh, I had come to kind of realize that things might not work out the way I was hoping that they were going to work out, which I know it sounds crazy, but coming to that realization actually empowered me. Because it was like, okay, I'm just going to do what I can do now. And this is something I can do now. And the results ended up being positive, even though it doesn't mean that things are going to end up the way I want them to end up. Things could go downhill again. But I have some skills in my toolbox. <laughs> and so does he now. Yes. Because he's been... He's been in treatment and been in recovery and uh, doing work on his recovery. He's happily married. He's living in Europe. And if things start to fall apart, it's much more his responsibility than ever to get himself somewhere. And th unlike the first time where absolutely needs some case help, some advocacy help. How, how am I going to get through the system with my son? Now your son knows what he needs to stay in recovery. So it's a, still has family involvement, but you don't need to do the same kind of background work that you did initially. We would start with what, what has he done all these years that's worked? What happened to those meetings? What happened to the Suboxone? What happened? You know, so um, we would just try and get him back up on the beam with what we know had worked first. That would be the easiest step. And the, what I would add is that once you succeed in any small or large way, you have a blueprint. And there's this blueprint that you have for growth and healing and change. And you never, ever, ever lose the blueprint. And neither does that other person. They have it. Once, you, once you've had success or something positive happened, you change the script. Because then you know that it's possible as opposed to not having a clue that it's possible. And that's what this is about, is you reinforce what works and you build upon the skills that you have. And even if it goes off the rails, you have something to come back to. And I just want to let everybody know it's gone off the rails for me. But, I, but you can pull it back. You can get it back. I think we've had a good conversation today about the basics. And if you are a listener out there and you haven't been to the website, go to the Allies website and check it out. It's www.alliesandrecovery.net and take a look at the modules and see what you think. It could be life-changing. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Dominique. And we'll be back on next week. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. 
If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.